introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it to Mo Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. Don't have the full crew, but we do have our quarterback back in the house. QB1, JR, my man. How you doing? How you been? Everything good, man. Can't complain at all. Tough loss last week, but ready to move on and start a new week. I mean, you're a Vikings fan. You really you could complain, but I'm glad you're taking the positive, positive route. It's good. Yeah, it's nice. definitely. All right. <laughs> All right. Wide receiver one, my man, sweating out them fantasy football playoffs. How's it going? If Keenan comes back, then we'll be all right. But, man, I'm worried about him. That's my guy, man. They need him back. Oh, you need him back is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they need him back. You need him back. They do, all right. too, though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, well, uh, don't want Miles to get too depressed talking about this fantasy football stuff, so we'll jump right into it here. And, uh, of course, we're talking QBs. Uh, so you know JR is the one who came up with this topic. And as, you know, things would have it, this is a topic that Saxy Prince would really have loved to have been here to talk about. But, of course, he's out. I can't use those words on this podcast. But he's out doing some things. Uh, so he's not going to be with us tonight, but we're going to talk about this thing anyway. And, um, the topic is basically, I have a question for y'all and it's, uh, you know, Spotrack tweeted today basically. And it says, uh, with the Vikings and the Ravens hanging on for dear life, there's a very real chance that only one of the top 10 highest average paid QBs will make the playoffs in 2018. So my question to y'all is why? And while this is a quarterback question, I don't want JR to go and just bias the whole conversation, taking the quarterback side just to start out. So, Miles, I'm going to go with you first to get your thoughts on why all of these high-paid quarterbacks' teams are, not, are, are struggling. Even, you know, us, we are, quote, strongly in a position to make the playoffs, but it's not like we're a dominant team either. So what's going on? Why are all these high-paid quarterbacks struggling with their teams? I mean, it really looks like across the board for most of these teams that they're supporting cast. I mean, besides the Vikings and I'd say the Falcons, um, the supporting cast aren't all that, all that great in terms of, you know, I, and when I say supporting cast, I mean that in terms of obviously on offense, but that ties into kind of what they, what they have on defense as well. Um, I mean, I know Atlanta's defense has been decimated with injuries all season. But they just don't seem like the same kind of team they were last season or you know the previous you know three seasons. So I'm um, that 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 team and the Vikings are the ones that I'm a little bit more like surprised about. Um, and then obviously the Packers because of how good Aaron Rodgers and how elite Aaron Rodgers is, it does surprise you that they're kind of just sitting there below 500, just kind of ready to to pack it in for the season. Uh, some of the other teams, I think the the Ravens, um, Lions with Matt Stafford, the Ravens with Joe Flacco. Who's the other one, Jason? 
One moment, please. Got me doing research. I Live research and stuff here. No, I just I just closed the window. Um, but I know I know it's the Ravens with Joe Flacco and uh Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he's obviously hurt. Yeah, he's obviously out. So we do, we don't know. We don't know how that could have gone for them. We just saw how they were week one or the first couple weeks of the season before he got hurt. Um, I don't think they were quite ready to take that next step either. I mean, I'm not going to say that they couldn't have been a playoff team this year because we really don't know. Um, but it does seem like they were missing the mark a little bit, and they were maybe a year away. Um, Lions definitely really hurting on defense, and looks like you know trading Golden Tate in itself just was not a good idea. It really took away the dynamic of the way their offense is. Um, where else? And then Joe Flacco with the the Ravens. I mean, it's Joe Flacco. I mean, <laughs> I hey, don't know hey, what else to hey, say hey, there. He, hey, hey, he set the blueprint for the season we're about to have. Yeah, so the did. full list, Miles, I think you've gone through pretty much all of them, but it's Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, <clears throat> Derek Carr. Derek Carr's uh, the other one. I mean, Drew Brees. I mean, they traded away. Andrew Luck. They traded with Alex Smith, so. Waka Flacco. Alex Smith, I mean, the injury. I mean, the Washington was set up to be in a playoff position, I mean, you know, before his injury. So that one, I mean, that's that's the reason there. Uh, Andrew Luck, I thought, their defense, I mean, their defense is just bad uh, overall. I know they've played better as of late, but they've just uh, – that defense is really not doing them any favors. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's really – just a gamut of things, but I, I know the question is because you pay a quarterback one or you pay one player so much money, does that how much does that affect how you pay everybody else and how you can assemble your team? And I you know, that's a it's a really good question to ask. Yeah, so JR, I mean I know obviously you are a a you you played quarterback, you uh you, you like I'm sure seeing the quarterbacks out there getting this money, but when you see something like this, what what are the thoughts that come to your mind on this? And um I know, uh, you know Justice Mosqueda uh, published an article. Shoot, it feels like a week or, or a week ago, but I don't even know if it was that long ago. Basically, talking about there needing to be a middle class, uh, like a quarterback middle class. Like right now, it's like if a quarterback uh, comes up for a contract, he's basically getting max money, regardless of how good he actually is. Um, what are your thoughts when you see the struggles of these 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 high paid quarterbacks teams? And uh, you know, what do you think needs to happen going forward? Yeah, and I actually did read that article. It was a really good article that he did write. Um, but I think it's just the result of the supply and demand for quarterbacks right now. And whenever a quarterback is up to get paid, it just seems like he's going to set the new benchmark for being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And let's say whoever the next quarterback is to get paid is probably going to get paid more than what Aaron Rodgers got paid just recently, even though he might not be as talented as Aaron Rodgers or is currently as good as him right now. But he's always going to want to set that precedent or that benchmark of being the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Kirk Cousins had his opportunity or he had his time where he was the highest paid quarterback in the league. Matt Ryan soonly surpassed that. And Aaron Rodgers, who I just spoke on, surpassed that as well. So it's just a never ending supply and demand chain. And it's something that we're going to see going forward, especially, you know, with these younger quarterbacks coming up. And we all know that the biggest or the most biggest weapon in the NFL today as far as roster building is just taking advantage of a quarterback on a rookie deal. So it's no coincidence that you're seeing 
all these younger quarterbacks and their teams having success, even going back to last year, you saw most of the teams in the playoffs or teams that went deep in the playoffs, they had a, that rookie quarterback advantage. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles was a prime example of that. Even though Nick Foles ended up winning that Super Bowl, they still had Carson Wentz and they were able to replenish the depth and the talent surrounding uh, the, or the surroundings on that roster. And that's what we're seeing with Jared Goff this year and the Rams and even the Bears this year. They're taking advantage of having that quarterback on that rookie deal. So it's going to be interesting to see how this changes going forward. Now, what I'm really waiting on a team to do, and it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, is that I want to see if a team is just going to keep recycling quarterbacks ever so often so they never have to end up paying that guy. So let's take a – it'll never happen in the situation, but let's just say Baker – or let's go with Mitch Trubisky. Whenever Mitch Trubisky's contract is up, Let's see if the Bears just bring somebody else in there as opposed to making him, you know, the second or third highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So I'm just waiting to see if a team does start to take risks like that. Now that is very risky because now you're talking about recycling quarterback and setting your team back because of poor quarterback play. But let's see if a team does take that risk, you know, five, ten years down the road. Yeah, and you say that, and that's actually an idea that's been floated. I think Eric – uh, was a person that I've heard say that or, or has mentioned it where like the Rams, so they've gone all out building that roster around Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a talented guy. He went you know, number one overall for uh, a reason. But the idea is, is we know that supporting cast accounts for like 50% of QB play. So if you get a decent quarterback and max out the talent around him, you know, could that be enough? To, uh, to get your team to where it wants to go. The issue, like you said, is right now teams are so scared. And I think it's that old adage from like the 80s or 90s or whatever, where, you know, like missing, like for whatever reason, you know, GMs miss on all sorts of players. But if you pass on a player and some other team brings that quarterback in and that quarterback ends up playing well, like the G, like you just never, ever, ever hear the end of that narrative. Well, you passed on that guy who ended up being good. But the circumstances, like you don't know if you had the same like circumstances to make that quarterback good in your building, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, I think that's a very interesting idea that at some point quarterbacks will just start being treated like a you know a more valuable position, but more like other positions in that you know we shouldn't be handcuffing our roster to chase this high priced quarterback because. I mean, I'm still trying to find an example of a team going out and paying a lot of money for a not great quarterback and then going out and winning the Super Bowl. Can y'all think of one? Because I I mean, I still have I've been struggling to find that example uh, of that happening ever. It's going to happen yeah. this year, obviously, with Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, we've, we've engaged <laughs> Operation Flacco, but um, I can't find any. I can't think of an example of us of a team doing that, going out and paying a bunch of money for like an OK quarterback and then it actually paying off for them in the long term. Miles, yeah, I can't, I can't think of nothing. I mean, the Chiefs, I guess, but it wasn't. I mean, it didn't, it didn't get them really anywhere. I mean, I know they, it's they sustained like regular season success for a few years, but it didn't really do much for them in terms of the playoffs. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that just made me depressed all of a sudden. Let's talk about something different. Gosh, quarterbacks. So uh, I, I guess we, we need to come to a point on this whole this whole subject then. So I guess from your perspective, JR, I mean, you did float the idea of a team uh, maybe just not paying their rookie quarterback who maybe is a system QB. You threw Mitch Trubisky out there because I think that's a very good example. Uh, you know, he had 
probably the least amount of tape of a top quarterback coming out in, in recent memory. Uh, still seems to have some deficiencies if he, you know, can't function fully within the course of, a, of, of the system. Um, so that's what you do, like, with rookies. But let's say you have a, a veteran quarterback who is um, yeah, in that third tier. So, like, I'm not going to say Kirk because that'll get people too much in their feelings. But, like, that caliber of quarterback, like a middle-of-the-road quarterback, good enough to win you some games, but maybe not good enough to carry a team. JR, you're the GM. You get to do whatever it is you want to do now. Would you have, uh, I guess, the stones to let that quarterback walk and hope to find a cheap replacement? Is that what you're saying you think teams should be doing as as, as we move forward with things? Yeah, I do, but just I think none of these GMs have the stones to do it, like you said, because teams are going to be okay with mediocre quarterback play because it's so hard to find that level of quarterback play throughout the league, so they're going to reward it, and we saw it with even a guy like Case Keenum this offseason. And Case got a two-year deal, and I believe he got around 18 or $19 million, which is middle-of-the-road pay for a quarterback. But the Broncos seem content with him at quarterback right now, and they're winning games. So they're not going to move on from Case this year because he's shown to be a mediocre guy, and John Elway is completely fine with that. And I don't see them probably trading up for a quarterback this year and moving on from him because it's so hard to find that middle ground or that common ground with quarterback play. But if I was a GM, I would have a tough time resigning a guy like a Case Keenum or even a Kirk Cousins, honestly, in my opinion, because I think the ramifications of trying to find that rookie quarterback on that rookie deal and maximizing that five-year window while he is on that deal outweigh the positives of locking down a guy like a Case Keenum or even a Kirk Cousins for three to four years under a guaranteed contract and being stuck in that deal without being able to replenish or plugging some holes on my team because of that contract weighing me down. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, I mean, for JR, I feel like that can, that, that counts as a hot take, Miles. What about you? I mean, that, that that's pretty spicy from JR, who normally plays things kind of down the middle on it. But, you know, yeah. All right. Mean, I'm proud of you. In terms of spicy in terms of, like, that he wouldn't, wouldn't re-sign Kirk Cousins? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. To me, it, to me, in that in that sense, it it would all depend on the scenario I'm in, the situation I'm in as a GM and a head coach. Um, not not a lot of GMs and head coaches get multiple opportunities to try to find another quarterback. So I think I think that would be it. Would depend on that that situation for sure. Um, I mean, we've seen Rick Spielman is is to me, in in my opinion, an outlier along with Mike Zimmer. Um, Mike Zimmer more so because of you know, injuries, that's really the, the main reason for his, his situation. But Rick Spielman's gotten, as a GM, a lot of opportunities to find a quarterback for this, for this franchise. And, <laughs> and, I, and, and it, you know, in similar situation with Zimmer, I mean, their injuries has, has, have occurred as well. But um, I do believe it, it does depend on the situation you're in as a, as a GM or as a, um, a coach. Okay. All right, well, let's get this thing moving. JR, you are you 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 missed the last pod. So I gotta get your thoughts because I saw you putting out some of that uh that wonderful film on the timeline, breaking down some of the things that uh that Seattle was doing. I guess we'll say to confuse Kirk Cousins, uh switch up coverages, you know, as Diggs mentioned, triple team him, double team Thielen. Um, so when you went back and, and watched the film, really broke things down, 
what what are your takeaways from this game? What did you see? And um, I guess what are your thoughts on what adjustments the Vikings can make as we move out of that game and uh, we move forward? Offensively, it was a mess, man. And that's saying it nicely. Um, I'd like to admit I was wrong about John DeFilippo. I was a huge fan of his. And I think Flip's a good coach. He's well-respected around the league. He had success in his time with the Raiders, the Browns, and the Eagles as a position coach and even a coordinator with the Browns. Um, but Minnesota just wasn't a good fit for him. And I think his flaws got a bit exposed as far as being a coordinator. And he just couldn't adjust to the in-game flow. And he just didn't have a great rhythm with calling plays. I think that was the biggest deficiency with him. And like I said, I'm a big fan of Flip um, as far as a position coach. But it just didn't work out here for him as a coordinator. And I think the thing about Flip is that he's a great play designer. But he's not a great coverage attacker, if that makes sense. He can draw up plays, but when it comes time to ex- when it comes time to attacking or deciphering those coverages, he just wasn't able to do it. And in-game adjustments is just something that he hasn't been able to do this year. And when a team is able to shut down his first adjustment within a game, he hasn't been able to counteract what those teams or those defensive coordinators are able to do to shut him down. So. I think that was the one one of the biggest things that he did struggle with in his time in Minnesota, and that was evident against Seattle Seahawks this week. They showed some coverages, and they disguised a lot of things on the back end of their defense, and he just wasn't able to figure it out. A lot of third-down looks confused Kirk Cousins because Flip was calling some man-beaters, expecting man-to-man coverage when they stayed in zone. So some of the concepts that they were running just wasn't making sense, and guys obviously weren't open because the plays that they were running were predicated on or dictated by a certain coverage, and Seattle was in a completely different coverage. Now, on the opposite side of the ball, I thought the defense played extremely well. Yes, they gave up a ton of rushing yards, but they were on the field for a whole lot of time. So those stats are really going to add up, and Seattle wasn't necessarily throwing the ball, and they were putting the ball on the ground, which is their MO. They're the only team that has more rushing attempts than passing attempts this year. So it wasn't a secret that they were going to come in running the ball. So I expected them to rack up a whole bunch of rushing yards and have minimal passing yards, which is exactly what they did. And like I said on the last pod, they want to keep Russell Wilson in a glass case, and they only want to bring him out when they have to use him. And Russell Wilson didn't play his best game, but when it was time to make plays, that's exactly what he did. And the long scramble was a prime example of that. Oh, yeah, that scramble. So, mm. So yeah, I guess there's you mentioned like, you know, the the you know man beaters when they come out in zone coverage, but the play that you highlighted, um, one of the plays that you highlighted on the timeline today where it I guess Seattle, I think you said showed cover two pre-snap, but then post-snap they basically were playing man and, and doubling both Thielen and and Diggs in, in kind of a, a different kind of way. Um from the perspective of a quarterback, um, how do you adjust to that and and what is it that that like a Kirk Cousins should be doing when now like you know the Patriots now Seattle they're really putting that heavy effort heavy emphasis in making him think like how do you help a quarterback when opposing defenses are really really trying to make him think post snap there's honestly not really much you can do especially with the running game being so obsolete you have to find a way to take advantage or put some more trust in your number three receiver, Kyle Rudolph, or scheme some ways for Dalvin Cook to be open because otherwise you're going to constantly throw it in double coverage and just throwing up prayer balls to Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Even though they've shown to be able to win in those situations, it's just not sustainable and something that I would do. 
a countless number of times because you're just begging for Kirk Cousins to eventually throw an interception. Because, I mean, let's just be honest, two guys obviously out number one, and he's eventually going to turn the ball over or make a mistake in that situation. So you have to find a way to take advantage of Aldrick Robinson versus Trey Flowers, which is a matchup that they weren't able to exploit or take advantage of. And Dalvin Cook just wasn't able to get open occasionally against their linebackers. I mean, Bobby Wagner is one of the best coverage linebackers throughout the league, and he did a great job of tackling throughout the game as well. And Kyle Rudolph just wasn't able to – he didn't have the foot speed to win in man-to-man coverage, which is what their game plan was for the Seattle Seahawks. It was a really good plan. They forced everybody outside of Diggs and Thielen to make a play, and they were fine with – or they were able to accept if those guys were able to beat them in man coverage. They trusted their corners and their safeties to hold up against those other three guys outside of Diggs and Thielen. Yeah, and so, Miles, this is a conversation I know that you've had uh, in multiple different forums, uh, different mediums, uh, different times over the past couple of weeks here. But how would you adjust to this if you were the, the if you were calling the plays for the Vikings? So I guess we'll, we'll use this to segue into kind of what we can expect from Stefanski, what he might be able to change. But, Miles, if it's you and teams are selling out to stop Diggs and Thielen, what are some concepts you might try to throw out there that could help these other guys maybe be a bit more impactful than they have been of late? Yeah, for me, I, I mean, it's really tough cause it, it's, it's definitely tough to do, but I think one thing we need to see a little bit more of, and we did see it at times. And I think it really helped in the middle of the season was moving guys around, like whether it's, just, just you know, moving guys in motion just to kind of dictate what the coverage is for Cousins and for the offensive coordinators, just to kind of to kind of tell the tell the offense kind of what kind of defense are they trying to play. Even if you don't recognize it right away, if you see some sort of man, you're gonna like in a motion sense, you're gonna see man. Even if they do end up doubling a guy like Diggs or Ann Thielen, you're gonna see that they're likely playing man if you move them around a little bit. Um, I think that would help a lot. Um, I think I think I know that they haven't been as successful running the ball, but in terms of needing to get Cousins out into moving him from from the middle of the pocket, I think is important. And I don't think we did enough of that. And I think bootlegs, bootlegs, and uh, you know, um, uh, oh my gosh, I just I just blanked. But um, like bootlegs and movement, and 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 getting your quarterback on the move a little bit, just to kind of help the the pass rush, um, help. Um, slow that down a little bit as well as just kind of giving Cousins a, a half field read it, it kind of helps the quarterback a lot when you give him um, an easy opportunity whether and if he does need to throw the ball away whether he needs to run the ball tuck it and run or you know find his first or second read it just gives him um, an easier clean pocket when you run out run away from the when you sprint him out and do stuff like that so I think just getting Cousins move, moving a little bit more I think would be a little bit more helpful. And then the the quick passing game we obviously know is is something that we we'd probably would like to see a little bit more of. Um, maybe some mesh routes with with guys like Diggs and Thielen and getting them into space because against against man coverage, if you run some mesh routes, um, it helps create some natural rubs and stuff like that to help open up some uh, opportunities for those guys. Um, but more combo routes, like if you're going to double at Thielen and Diggs, you'd probably want to kind of try to see if you can get them lined up in the same area as each other because I think that would help 
because you're going to give them more of a two-way go if they're lined up, maybe if they're stacked next to each other or whatever it is. Um, it just allows that opportunity for Cousins to kind of see off some of the breaks, you know, those – you give them, you know, crossing routes or uh, combo routes, I mean, when they're stacked against each, next to each other. I think that could really help um, find quick-hitting passes and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of that. And then to Jarrah's point, maybe just giving – your one-on-one guys, more opportunities, you know, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Laquan Treadwell, Aldrick Robinson. Um, if Chad Beebe can come back, I think that'd be extremely helpful because I think he's the type of receiver that this offense is kind of missing. Um, that, that quick, the quick twitch guys, the guys that then, you know, get in and out of breaks, the, they're not going to beat you deep, but they're going to, they're going to win um, one-on-one with their, with their precise route running. So I think Chad Beebe would be that kind of guy. And then, uh, Obviously, Dalvin Cook in space is another one of those, um, maybe motioning him out and getting him some screens and getting him a little bit more um, out wide, I think would, would really help this offense. Um, but back to my last point of just like giving some of those guys that are on one-on-one opportunities just more chances. Um, it looked, it really has felt like the last few weeks, and, and this could be, and this really feels like it's Zimmer just telling Cousins he doesn't want him to turn the ball over so Cousins isn't taking as many chances to which would you know in sense turn the ball over um so he's played a little bit more conservative we've seen as of late uh, it hasn't obviously stopped all the turnovers but um it's it, it feels like it stopped him from taking a few more chances and so um that we that we're used to seeing from him and giving his guys opportunities to make plays um especially down the field so i think um just giving those guys a little bit more opportunities given you know, um, a little bit more freedom and trust in those guys and giving those guys an opportunity to earn that trust from him. Okay. Yink is here, by the way, but we're not going to talk to him yet. He's going to have to sit on timeout for Ooh. just a second. I don't, I don't know yeah, that, that guy, that guy, that sexy prince that was supposed to be here with us. But, you know, whatever. JR, 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 not Yinka, but JR. Uh, <laughs> whatever, bro. Whatever, bro. So, JR. What is it that you uh, would like to see? Miles broke down some of the things he's hoping to see from the, the Stefanski offense. What are you hoping, expecting, thinking you might see? Um, as Dalvin Cook said, and it's pretty late in the season, so there's not really a ton that can change. What are you thinking we might see that would be different under him than uh, than we saw, obviously, under uh, DeFilippo? Well, really two things. I would like to see the Vikings start games off a bit more in rhythm, and I can't think of the last game where they didn't go three and out the first drive of the game. So I'd just like to see them start the game a bit more aggressive and a bit more in rhythm. Also, I'd like to see them establish an identity. If you think about this Vikings offense, I can't tell you what their identity is because it changes every single game. Yes, they like to air it out a bit when things are going wrong and they want to establish the running game like Mike Zimmer says, but I can't tell you what the identity of this team is right now because they just don't have one. So I want to see exactly how Stefanski attacks this Dolphins defense on Sunday, I, I want to see what concepts he installed and exactly what his what he wants his identity to be and what his blueprint of his offense is going to be going forward. So I guess we'll, we'll, we can get Saxy Prince in here because that's a weird thing. And, and I mean, you've said it, uh, like your know, fans have said it, coaches have said it, like we're not sure what the players have said, we're not sure what the identity of this team is, but it seems like the identity of this team is throw the ball to Diggs and Thielen. I guess when, when you're saying you, like the identity of this offense, I guess, in particular, um, I guess, yeah, 
well, I guess what are people meaning when when they say that when it seems that the offense is designed largely to run through the two guys on the outside and that is their identity outside of Kirk Cousins. So Prince, like when you hear that, what does that mean to you? Because I'm I'm a bit confused on like I'm not sure about the identity of the team because that seems to be yeah. the identity of the team from my yeah. perspective anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I I think those two players are you know fundamentally speaking. Um, you see a lot of teams who have, uh, you know, that number one wide receiver, you know, the, the OBJ, you know, Julio Jones type guys. And the fortunate thing with Vikings is like that player is essentially split in two with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Um, and that allows the Vikings to essentially run their offense through finding matchups that can continue to uh, exploit the weaknesses as well as bring out the strengths of those two players. Now, you know, teams over the last several weeks have tried to do more things to take those two guys away because this team doesn't really have an identity outside of that. And um, in in my opinion, because of the importance of those two guys, it, it's constantly trying to find ways uh, to make make it so that, uh, again, Adam Thielen, being kind of a position guy, gets to that 100 yards. Um, Stephon Diggs is able to, you know, be your deep threat as well as, you know, cut guys up you know, in, 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 open, in the open field and whatnot. So those are the those are two ways in which the Vikings obviously can continue to uh, win football games. But, um, you know, I guess to answer the question as far as the identity, knowing that we are making – we probably should have because we brought him in and we paid him. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to have to be another part of your identity. Um, I think with Stefanski to answer probably your previous question is um, I'm actually looking – for Kirk Cousins to now be kind of a pseudo interim OC. I want him to go and pick 60, 80 plays or whatever the case is that he's completely comfortable with, uh, no matter the situation, and he's able to just run those at the highest efficiency possible. Um, I, I want him to take a huge say in what this offense is going to be over these next three games and even further into the playoffs. And then by extension into the offseason, I want him to – this is the offense I want to run. This is how it's going to be. And this is how we're going to find ways to maximize what this guy can do. Um, so as far as identity, yes, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, but I, I don't think that we can um, we can talk about identity if Kirk Cousins isn't a part of that conversation. So um, I'm looking well, at those three main guys to to really – but we know every we know every week that Cousins is meeting with well at the time obviously De Filippo on what they felt he was comfortable running. I mean, every coordinator does that with their quarterback. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not saying this is going to be necessarily anything different. Um, but I, you know, there is there was a little bit of in, in certain circumstances. Obviously, you have maybe an established quarterback with maybe a new OC who's getting brought in. And then it's it's kind of collaborative, but in this is, scenario is a little bit different because you had Kirk Cousins coming in new, you had um, the Filippo coming in new, and then obviously you've had Zim who has a very specific way. I think there was three voices that were really happening as far oh, as definitely. What, what we want as far as the offense. Whereas this one, I, I I'm kind of what I'm advocating for is a singular voice, and that's probably more so Kirk Cousins than every, anyone else. Um, and I think Zimmer is going to need to be okay with that, like. If, Kirk, if this is what Kirk wants, this is what the offense needs to needs to be because it's the if he's failing, then the, obviously the, the Vikings aren't going to be performing very well. Okay, Yinka advocating for Kirk Cousins. I'm not even sure what to do with that. 
or or how to about to segue to something different. I'm so taken yeah, off guard I mean, by. Just I mean, had me watch a Spider Man movie. I'm all hyped up. So I'm I, mean, I mean, whoa! I mean, My goodness. So. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move this thing along, and uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna somewhat rapid fire because anytime I say rapid fire, y'all still end up giving like 20 minute answers anyway. But Jr., we're gonna start with you on this one here. Pose the question on the timeline: Who is more important to the Vikings? Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, or Brzezinski? Which one you going with and why? Oh, y'all threw Brzezinski in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the debate yesterday. Uh, but I go with Spielman. Uh, it was rapid fire, so I guess I can't go into detail, but I'll go you with Spielman. Give a, little bit of detail, a little bit of detail. Wait, and didn't you have a different answer yesterday? No, I said, I said that just to stir the pot. <laughs> my real answer is Spielman okay. because I think he's a solid evaluator of talent and he's great at giving Mike Zimmer exactly what he wants so I would go with Spielman okay Miles where are you going yeah I'm I'm on the Spielman train on this one because I think especially with someone like Zimmer as great as great as a coach he is um, especially defensively that's where his uh, allegiance and that's where his uh um, his understanding of the game and his uh, prowess is is on the defensive side of the ball. It's, I I feel like no matter what, you're always going to have a great defense with Mike Zimmer. Um, but I always worry about the offense because he doesn't let the offense do what <laughs> he doesn't allow them more freedom. So that's my biggest thing. And like Jr. said with Spielman, it's uh, he's, he's a great evaluator of talent. I know there's a, obviously a couple positions there that are that are key that he struggled with. But I think overall, he's a really great GM. All right. Saxy Prince, where are you going with this one? You know, I'm, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Zimmer. Um, you know, I think we've seen time and time again with many organizations. I mean, that's not to take anything away from Spielman or Brzezinski or any of the other guys. We've seen organizations with, uh, you know, decent GMs and uh, good front offices. But, you know, that can't be pulled together without the uh, coaching. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talent that's there, but there needs to be a mastermind to really bring uh, some of your talent together to be able to win. And I think without Zimmer, um, I mean, we've seen we've been through enough head coaches that we have had talented players, but we have hadn't had the coaching staff or the head coach to really bring this together. Zimmer has been one of the most win winniest, if you can even say that, uh, head coaches that we've had in a, since really what Denny Green, Mike Denny Green. Um, so I'd have to go with Zimmer. I think he does a fantastic job as well evaluating talent. Um, I think he does a really good job, um, you know, really getting on the same page with Spielman to tell him like, hey, this, these are the kinds of traits. I think there's some, some of uh, Zimmer that's kind of taught Spielman uh, about evaluating football as well as, you know, what to look for in certain traits. Um, so I, I'd, I'd have to go with uh, Mike Zimmer. Well, all right. Okay. Well, in this in this case, we got Jr. and Miles on one side. We got Prince on the other side. But in another strange twist of events here, Saxu Prince is actually on the side of the people right now. When I checked the poll the last time, and that never happens. So you know, but we'll just go, we'll call it a tie because you know the two of y'all, Saxu Prince and the people, we'll just call it a tie and we'll 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 keep this thing moving right along here because we got a game to play. And, uh, I mean, it's a game, I think the odds should be a little bit more in our favor going into this game than they were in the last one, you know, but it is the Vikings, so I don't want to, 
I don't want I don't want to be too confident about it, but this this should be a more favorable matchup matchup for us than uh, you know the last couple of games. Jr., what are you seeing as you uh you start to to think about you know how we match up, how we uh should do when we take on these Dolphins coming off their big win? If we can't run the ball this week, there is no hope at all. They have one of the worst run defenses in the league. I believe they're like the 29th or 30th ranked team defense against the run. So I'm sure Stefanski is probably going to try to run the ball a bit early just to you know, take, alleviate a little bit of pressure off of him from throwing the ball early and often. But with Xavier Howard probably not playing this game, I know he's nursing a, a real bad knee injury. I think he had surgery a couple of weeks ago, which is probably their best corner. Uh, with him being down, their secondary is a little bit shaky. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has shown some promise, but I don't think he's there yet as far as hanging with upper echelon receivers like Thielen and Diggs. Um, their second, well, their second level of their defense, their linebackers has played decent. Jerome Baker is a nice rookie that's played really well this year. Their defensive line doesn't have really a lot of people up front that really scare you a ton. Um, so overall, I don't think their defense is very good, but they do have some pieces in spots. And I think the Vikings should be able to have their way with this team uh, offensively. And if there is one game to, you know, get Stefanski comfortable, I think this is the game to do that because their defense isn't that great overall. Uh, offensively, Ryan Tannehill, we're not sure if he's even going to play yet. He's nursing an ankle injury, I believe, and he's been shaky uh, the past few weeks as well. So. We'll see how he does end up doing. They have a bit of a good duo in the backfield with Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore, the ageless wonder. Um, nobody on the perimeter really scares you a whole bunch as far as their receivers and the offensive line has played better this year. But I still think we should be able to generate some pressure. So this is a very winnable game for the Vikings. And if there was one opponent to have for a bounce back game, the Dolphins are very you know, they're very vulnerable in a lot of spots. So I think they can have their way with their team, with this team if they do come to play. I certainly hope so. But I also am wondering, because y'all just keep just so disrespectful. Keep forgetting to talk about, you know, the most important thing that should be coming back to these Vikings. You know, they get the running game going because the spark card looks like he's, you know, making his way back towards being able to be on the field. And so, you know, Stefanski's going to get all this credit for, like, getting the running game back on track when, you know, we really know it's a spark card coming back, doing this thing, blocking, catching passes, having wonderful hair, all that stuff to get the offense back where it needs to go. Miles, from your perspective, heading into the game, Dolphins, Vikings, what are you hoping to see this week? What are you expecting to see this week? I'm expecting and hoping to see a balanced attack this week in terms of <laughs> scoring points, uh, converting on third downs. I think, I think this, I think what we're really going to see and what I'm hoping to see is that this team gets them. They put themselves into more fav- favorable situations on first and second down. So that third down, they're not sitting at third and seven plus. Cause we know how hard and difficult it is to convert on third downs when you're, um, when you're not giving yourself an opportunity in third and medium or third and short. Um, and then obviously if they get into those third and short situations, they, they're, they're doing a little bit more creative, creatively to, um, to win a little bit, um, to get, to convert those as well. But, um, besides that, I, I do want to see, I do want to see them be able to run the ball more. Like JR said this, if, if you can't run on this defense, I don't know who you can run against. Um, we've seen them successfully do it earlier in the season at times. 
against teams like the Jets and the uh, Cardinals. Um, I think this is a similar team in the, like the like the Jets where they have some really good players, but they're they're beatable and there's more of a team that you you know you want to win on the ground against um, more than kind of spread them out. Uh, and then lastly, I'd, you know if if we can get Dan more uh, Dan David Morgan back, I think that'd be extremely helpful um, in the run game. To your point, Jason. Um, yeah, that that's really where I want to be at. And then on defense, I just want to suffocate. You know, it, it seems like the Dolphins really are a di- a different team on the road. Uh, let's suffocate them. Let's you know get that that crowd going. Let's get Tannehill uncomfortable early and often, and force turnovers, force him to make mistakes, and score score on defense or on special teams. Because <laughs> I the the way the offense has been going, man, I'm just you know I'm not saying it, it can't be. There can't be a spark there this week because of Stefanski and whatnot, but you know, just not having to rely on. <laughs> I hate that you have to, you know, rely on the defense or special teams to do it, but just seeing more, you know, seeing them score just to help, just to help out a little bit because <laughs> they already do so much. So why not do a little bit more? All right. So, and I was going to go to Prince, but unfortunately, Prince came in, said, What's up? Prince had to bounce, so that's all the sexy Prince you're getting for this episode. Uh, yeah, and I'm right there with y'all. This is a game that uh, the Vikings should should be able to go out and handle business. They're back at home. Uh, hopefully this is a bounce-back game where Kirk Cousins can go out there, do his thing, uh, get his confidence back, get his swagger back a little bit, or get his swagger at all. I don't know. Get some swagger in this game, get his confidence up, and go out there and uh, and ball and, and you know, start to set up some momentum. As we uh we make this push towards the playoffs, you know, teams getting healthy, have a stretch of games that are winnable, that look winnable. We could actually be that team that goes into the playoffs on a hot streak and uh, you know, get that Flacco run going where we just keep that hot streak going all the way to the Super Bowl. I think you guys already covered the keys to victory. Run the ball, smothering defense. Basically, we're looking for a beatdown in this game. So Miles, what is your score prediction going into this game? What is your bullet prediction? Oh, man. <laughs> it's so hard to predict with this team anymore. Um, 28 to 16 Vikings. Ooh. I know. I, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, let's see. Bold prediction. I think it will be... Dalvin Cook has 150 all-purpose yards and gets his first rushing touchdown of the season. Has two touchdowns, but at least one on the ground. Is that bold? Yeah, that's bold. I like it. I like it. it. Two TDs. Okay, all right, all right. JR, where you at with it? I think Tannehill's going to have a long day, especially on a bad ankle against this team. Uh, So they're going to force him to stay in the pocket. So I'm going to go 27-13 Vikings. Boy, no respect for these Dolphins. All right. And uh, what's your bold prediction? Um, Let's say Tannehill turns the ball over three times. Okay. And I will go with – man, this is like the same score that y'all picked. I'm going to go 24 – 24-17. 
Vikings. And actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to go uh, 30 to 17. And my board prediction is Baskis uh, debut. Yeah, man. yeah we're, going, we're going 30. But the reason we're going 30 is that my bold prediction is that we get a pick six off of both Tannehill and Osweiler in this case. Mm. Or uh, we'll just say two two Miami quarterbacks, but I'm going, yeah. <laughs> pick six off two Miami quarterbacks in this game. That, that, that's where we're going with it, too. 30. Yes, the fans going to come out there. He's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. We're going to build a statue for him, and then somebody else is going to sign him to be their head coach or something. <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> just going to go to Green Bay. You go to- <laughs> and become Andy Reid. <laughs> of uh, both Miami QBs. All right. That is it. That is all. That's all the stuff we wanted to cover before we get up out of here. JR. What you've been working on? Do you have anything that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so my debut piece for the cover one, I finally unveiled my top 32 prospects for the 2019 NFL draft. So be sure to check that out. And when is that dropping? Uh, Friday morning. All right. All right. So uh, be retweeting that and uh, potentially, depending on what time, adding it to the show notes if, uh, if I'm up on time to do so. Miles. Uh, I know that you know in 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 the group message you 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 got some draft fever going on, scouting some prospects, looking at wide receivers, trying to find those players that the Vikings need to bring in uh, to help us out here. When might we uh, get our first taste of uh, you know Miles's finding uh, the weapons for Kirk Cousins series? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's still a little early. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more of how the season plays out. I think if we for some reason. So in the next couple of weeks, if they don't make the playoffs, then I'm going to I'll release it right away. But I'm trying to kind of wait a little bit just to kind of see how the season plays out. Um, but I'm working on some stuff. And then obviously once the season's over, I'll be I'll be in full swing. OK. All right. And uh, mm, try to find some time. I want to want to dig back in, update the uh, supporting cast, update quarterback performance and then see if I can uh, figure out the math to look at um, kind of offensive coaching performance to see which offenses are performing above and below kind of the sum of their parts. And we'll chalk that up to coaching. So at some point in the next couple of weeks, lock myself in the basement with some spreadsheets and get that worked out and see what that looks like just because I'm curious. So, uh, yep, that's it. That's all. Listeners, as always, thanks for sticking with us. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. JR, Miles, we had a little bit of Saxy Prince, and uh, yeah, that's it. We will talk to y'all, I guess, soon. Yeah, relatively soon. Have a good one.